Welcome to the Further Gospel Podcast, where we are all about providing sound doctrine for everyday people. My name is Kosti Hinn, and I'm joined today again by a close friend and one of our contributors here at FTG, Justin Peters. Welcome back to the Further Gospel Podcast. Kosti, it's a privilege to be with you, brother. Nothing else I'd rather do. Thank you. Love it. Love <laughs> it, man. I'm, I'm excited to dig in, and I want to talk to you in this episode about the gift of prophecy. We talked about tongues recently. We get a lot of questions about prophecy as well. Many people are confused. They ask, you know, does God give further revelation through prophets today? Is it trustworthy when a preacher says, you know, I feel like God told me to tell you, or a preacher will stand up and say, you know, I've got a word from the Lord to speak over you, brother or sister, or people will even come up to you and say, the Lord spoke to me to tell you this. And we see this a lot from Bethel. They even have their school of prophets. I've got a sister that went up there for their education system and to learn about how to be a prophetess. I know so many people are affected by this. And um, we're not saying in an episode like this that everyone's seeking out, you know, revelation from God or prophecy are a bunch of heretics and they're not true believers. We talked in the last episode that there's many people that are well-intentioned. They're really trying to have some experience with God. But That does not change the danger, and it does not change the deceptive strategies of the enemy to veer people away from Scripture. So in this episode, I want you to walk us through some key questions, and let's start with this one. What was the biblical gift of prophecy? Yes, Costi. So the biblical gift of prophecy is actually very simple. Uh, A a true biblical prophet was, was someone to whom God gave direct divine revelation. God gave new revelation to that individual, whether it's Moses, whether it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and and that person communicated that message from God to the people with 100% accuracy. That's what a prophet is, someone who receives direct revelation from God and communicates it to the people with 100% accuracy. Great definition. Very succinct as well. What was the standard for prophecy in the Bible? Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, the thing that most people most often think of is what I just said, 100% accuracy, and that is true. A true prophet of God was never wrong. Now, that does not mean a true prophet of God never was was sinless. I mean, it's not that Okay, what I'm saying is this. Let's say Isaiah woke up one morning and he was talking to one of his friends and he said, you know, it, it looks like it's going to rain today, but it doesn't rain that day. Does that make Isaiah a false prophet? No, of course not. So it's not that these men were sinless or perfect, but when they spoke, thus saith the Lord, that was with 100% accuracy. Uh, if Isaiah had said, I prophesy that it's going to rain today, then it would rain that day if he was a true prophet. So uh, that's what I mean by that. So 100% accuracy. Number two, a prophet had to be biblically qualified, had to, had to walk with God, had to have, excuse me, a, a life that was, was above reproach, a, a life that was holy, uh, not given to greed. Uh, so a, a man who was upright and righteous, had a close walk with the Lord and lived an exemplary, holy life. Um, and also, uh, of course, a true prophet was one who 
uh, spoke for the true God. And just because a prophet may have prophesied something that came true, according to the scripture, if he was doing that in the name of any other God other than Yahweh, even if the thing came true, he was still a false prophet. It had to be in the name of Yahweh, had to be in the name of the Lord. He had to have an exemplary life and he had to have 100% accuracy in what he prophesied. Great answer and so helpful and so clear. What would you say to those who argue, hey, Justin, I get it. The standard guy's got to be holy, needs to be accurate, needs to be qualified, needs to speak for the true God. But come on, we're sinful today. We make mistakes. Our prophecy is not always accurate now, but God can still use it. And we still have the gift of prophecy. What do you say to a person like that who thinks sort of we can do this, what's called fallible prophecy? And look, there's some brothers in the faith who have been great theologians and helpful theologians, like you know D.A. Carson or Wayne Grudem, who many people use his systematic theology. So again, we're not saying all these people are heretics. These are theologians and brothers that'll be in glory with us. But they make the case and say, well, no, that there's fallible prophecy. What do you say to that idea? Well, what I would say is you're creating a category that simply does not exist in Scripture. Fallible prophecies. or uh, it, It's a category you've created out of thin air. It's not supported by Scripture, Old or New Testament. And some people say, oh, well, Agabus wasn't quite right in, in the details. Well, yeah, he was. He, he was actually 100% right. In fact, uh, if you want more, uh, go into more depth, Nathan Busnitz had a great presentation on that on the strange, from the uh, Strange Fire Conference. It's on YouTube. Look that up. But there is both Old and New Testament Testaments held prophets to a 100% accuracy standard. There is no degradation in the prophetic gift from Old and New Testament. And some people try to say that. And, and even though these men that you've mentioned, I have, uh, I have learned much from as well. You know, Wayne Grudem, great systematic theology, but this one area, uh, it goes off the rails when it comes to prophecy. And they try to, uh, knowing full well, here's what's happening. They know full well that modern prophets do not have anywhere near 100% accuracy. If anything, they've got almost a 100% failure rate. Uh, <laughs> so to try to accommodate for that, they say, oh, well, the prophetic, gift in the New Testament is different than the old. The New Testament prophets are not held to the same standard. Well, yes, they are. And here's a very simple logical question I would have for them. Um, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> How is it that in the entire tenor of the New Testament is that it is better? Jesus is our better high priest. He has a better name. He has offered a better sacrifice. He has instituted the better new covenant. Everything in the New Testament is better. Everything is better, except apparently the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy tanked. I mean, it it took a nosedive. That does. How does that make any sense? It it, it doesn't. It, it just it goes against the grain of everything about the new covenant. It's better. Better name, better high priest, better sacrifice, except the gift of prophecy. It just well doesn't said. make sense. Well said. It's a challenging question. I, I don't think you could have put it any better. Very logical as well. Uh, to 
roll things back just really quick. The article, or sorry, the the video you're mentioning, the teaching from Nathan Buzinitz on the in the Strange Fire Conference deals with it. Um, also, I just pulled out a binder I have in my office that I have um, been given from some years past by a great group of elders from a Bible church back in California, and they put together a series of articles to deal with this issue so that their elders would be clear altogether and taught on it. And I have the article in front of me. It's by Nathan Buznitz, one of the articles they use. And the article, if you're looking for it online, just Google throwing prophecy under the agabus, the yes. agabus. He, Nathan <laughs> uh, cleverly titled the article that. So did Agabus get the details wrong in his prophecy in Acts 21.11? You ought to study that, read it, know it, and internalize it for yourself. Justin, I want to go somewhere where we've never really gone on the For the Gospel podcast, which is uh, playing a audio clip of a claim regarding visions and prophecy. And so not long ago, Matt Chandler, bold preacher, gospel proclaimer for quite a long time, decided that he and the Village Church were going to branch out into more charismatic practices. And he's always been an open but cautious continuationist kind of guy. We're all aware of that. That's not news. But he wanted to try some things out and go a little further. And so here's one of his attempts to figure out if he was sort of prophesying or getting a vision and what that would look like, sound like, and getting out of their comfort zone as a church and trying this stuff out. Understand what's being said, then just let it sit. Maybe in time, God will reveal it to him. What I'm asking you to do is be brave. Ask, hear, step out, approach, and just say, hey, while I was praying, the Lord brought you to my mind. And, and even if it sounds crazy to you, just trust him. So if you're like, uh, I, I saw Danny Spencer over here and I love him. And so I'm just going to use you, Danny. Say I'm praying in the morning. I'm just like, Lord, just bring me somebody to encourage us. I want to be used by you. I want to pursue love. I want to push out darkness. I want to expose the lies of the enemy. And I want to use my mouth to build up your sons and daughters. And he puts Danny Spencer in my mind. And then I don't do that. Well, is that me? Is that, gosh, Danny texted me earlier this week. So am I, is that bad chicken? Is that what, you know, no, it's going, okay, Danny, let's do it. Lord, what would you want me to encourage Danny with? And then I quiet again, trying to listen. And then automatically in my head, there's a picture of a ship, a pirate ship. And then there's, uh, there, there's like cannons on the pirate ship and there's a shark chasing the pirate ship. Now at that point, you're like, nope, no. <laughs> Not gonna happen, right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step out and you can even admit, like we're growing together and we're gonna fail and this is gonna get weird. It's gonna be awesome. Like, I'm just gonna go to Danny and I'm gonna be like, hey, brother, you heard my sermon. I was praying. Danny, it was a pirate ship. It's a shark chasing it. There were cannons. I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm not going to be like, what I think that means is that maybe you're stealing some stuff from people and Jesus is the shark and uh, you need to repent. I'm, I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm just going to go. And in a great deal of humility, I'm just going to be, does that make any sense to you? Okay, so we've heard the clip. What are the dangers with this sort of approach? Does that misguide people? Sounds very well-intentioned, very jovial, and like he's just trying some things out. Is it just harmless curiosity and someone trying to do the gifts? Or does this begin to steer a ship off course, biblically speaking? 
Yes, it, it does the latter, Costi. It it does. It, it it confuses people. It's it's Matt Chandler in that full message, he actually says, you know, this is an encouragement to people. And you go to, to someone with this, you think you have a dream, you think you've got a vision, you think you got a word from the Lord for a particular person. And and uh he actually says, Well, you know, if it turns to be turns out to be wrong, what's the big deal? So I encourage people, you know, what's so bad about that? Well, well, there's nothing encouraging about a a false prophecy. There's nothing encouraging about a false word from the Lord. Someone comes to me and says, Justin, I have a word from the Lord for your life, and it turns out not to be right. There's nothing encouraging about that. And also with this illustration of the, the pirate ship, you know, and the cannons and the shark and Jesus is in the shark, you know, and then, you know, it goes up to the fellow. Does that make any sense? And, and like, no, it, it, that doesn't make any sense at all. I, how do you make sense? What exactly is the hermeneutical grid for interpreting dreams? What is the hermeneutical grid for pirate ships? How do I make sense of that? You know, Custy, we all dream every night. I mean, most every night, you know, sometimes we remember them. Sometimes we don't. How, what is the hermeneutical grid for interpreting those dreams? How, how are we supposed to make sense of that? There, the Bible gives us no help. There, there is no instruction from Scripture on how to interpret dreams. And dreams are just that. They're just dreams. They're meaningless. You know, our brain does some weird things when we're asleep, takes things we've seen or experienced and kind of puts them together in this goofy kind of way. And, you know, th- there's no way to make sense of any of that. I, I remember not too long ago, I dreamed that I was being chased around a Kentucky fried chicken by four tornadoes. <laughs> you know, I, hey, that could be prophetic, Justin. That, you, as right. an apologist and a faithful preacher, are being chased. The four tornadoes are Bethel, IHOP. Just kidding. Okay, everyone, calm down. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like how you. Yeah, I don't think that was. I mean, my doctor may tell me to stay away from KFC, <laughs> but I don't think that was God telling me to stay away from KFC. <laughs> so you know, they, they're just dreams. Um, don't try to interpret your dreams. Don't think, in fact, we should really just put the brakes on this once and for all by going to Hebrews chapter one, Hebrews one, one and two, God long ago spoke to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all, of all things through whom also he made the world. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, in the Old Testament, God spoke in many different ways. Indeed, spoke to Moses through a burning bush, storm and thunder up on Mount Sinai, um, spoke to Elijah through a, and maybe that's something we should talk about too, the still small voice, which by the way, yeah, so okay. So let's talk real quickly about the still small voice. We hear people talk about this a lot. Well, you know, God speaks to us in these whispers and a still small voice and uh, is it in the Bible? Well, yeah, it, it's in the Bible. It's in First Kings chapter nineteen, verses eleven and twelve. I think, if I have my if my memory's correct. So the the context here is Elijah had just called down fire from heaven, destroyed the prophets, false prophets of Baal. Dramatic, dramatic scene there. Incredible victory, and then Jezebel got after him, threatened him, and he fled into the wilderness, scared which is kind of odd, right on the heels of this great victory. And, and Jezebel, and like, you're getting out of Dodge. 
And so he flees into the wilderness, goes into a cave, into the back of the cave, and then it says there was earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. There was wind, the Lord was not in the wind. Fire, the Lord was not in the fire. But then it says that Elijah heard this still, small voice. And people have extrapolated from that, oh, that's how God speaks to us. And in this inner impression inside your head, a still, small voice. But when you read that text, it says that Elijah wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out into the entrance of the cave so he could hear this voice more clearly. And that is when he heard God say in the King James, it's only the King James that renders it still small voice, but King James, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah went out. He walked from the back of the cave out to the entrance of the cave so he could hear this voice. So this still small voice was not some inner impression inside his head. It was an external audible voice, just like you are hearing my voice right now, externally to you, audibly to you. I'm not inside your head right now, Costi. You're hearing me outside of your head. It was the same thing. So, and we have extrapolated from that, this, in, this whole paradigm of God giving us inner impressions and nudgings and words and voices in our heads, that's not what it was talking about. So, so good. I, I think you're touching on something I want to go and press in a little more on for our audience. And just so everyone's aware, I'm, I'm with Justin 100% on this. We're 100% aligned. All contributors at For the Gospel are doctrinally aligned. And so you're not getting, you know, an article one week from Justin and he's gone woke and I'm coming back the next <laughs> week with, you know, something else. And then Anthony Woods coming back the next week to fix it all. I, we are all aligned on this. Justin, I want to talk about this. We hear it all the time. And I think some of it, again, is well-intentioned, and some of it is grave error, and people are in deep deception. People say, oh yeah, I feel like God told me. I feel like God said to me. Or yeah, I, I heard God speak to my heart, or God spoke to my heart, or the Holy Spirit told me. And I hear this in the SBC. I hear this from Baptists. I hear this from theological conservatives. Right. And what I wish is that some of them would just say, I have a conviction to do this. Or, yeah, I was praying, and shortly after prayer, I felt a very strong conviction to go out and make this decision. Why not just say that after prayer, or after thought, or after reading Scripture, you had a strong conviction, which basically means you had a compulsion to go make a decision. It's like when I'm hungry and I go, I want to eat. I don't go, hey, the Lord is, just spoke to me. God told me, you know, I need to do something about... No, just say what you are feeling. You are feeling a strong conviction because you were reading, you were praying, you had a conversation with someone, and that yes. stirred up your heart and your mind, and you determined to go make a decision. That's not God talking to you, or if you wanted to say, yes, God uses people to trigger your decision-making, but not audibly talking, and even the no. impressions and all of that. Speak to that idea, because I'll tell you this, and, and I have no issue and no qualm naming names on our podcast. Here's the deal. The Lifeway sort of emotional, devotional realm of Christianity started this a long time ago. 
Yep. It's the the Beth Moore kind of vibe and that whole deal of like, yeah, and it's it's actually funny. They do this in their books and in their conferences. It's real catchy and clever, and people laugh as though they're having these conversations in the backyard with God. You know who used to do that really well and make everyone laugh? Jesse Duplantis, a very dangerous <laughs> false teacher. Yep. And he would show the the audience sort of this side of himself. Like, hey, I was in the yard the other day, and God was talking. He said, hey, Jesse, how you doing? And he's talking as though we're two friends just sort of hobnobbing at, you used KFC, at KFC, or in the garden or in the yard. And God is this casual sort of dude in board shorts and flip-flops having a conversation, or he's in our yard, you know, in the yard with Beth Moore. Help people understand how should we refer to those feelings of compulsion? Because God certainly leads us through the Holy Spirit to go and do things. We have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So we go and do things and live out obedience to Christ. In contrast to this sort of loosey-goosey idea, um, it's a loaded question, but are people also maybe looking for some validation? Like, hey, listen to me, because I had this experience, or look at how the, I'm so connected to God. Please take yeah. us there and help us grow in maturity with that whole world of, quote, Christianity. Right. So um, this whole notion of God speaking to us outside of Scripture was really introduced to the non-charismatic evangelical world, I would say, by experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Uh, before experiencing God, most non-charismatic folks would have understood that God speaks to us in the Bible, we speak to him in prayer. Now hardly anybody understands that. Uh, experiencing God introduced this whole notion of hearing God outside of Scripture, and then it was picked up by uh, Beth Moore, is picked up by Rick Warren, and uh, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young has been a publishing juggernaut. And the whole premise of that book is Jesus Calling Sarah Young, and she's writing down what he says. So uh, it, it, they're all based upon, you know, this inner voice, hunch, feelings, impressions, whatnot. The problem with that, Costi, is that when God spoke in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, he spoke with crystal clear clarity. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Uh, crystal clear clarity. Even in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit spoke uh, in the book of Acts, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Crystal clear. No confusion, no ambiguity, no well, you know, I really feel like the Lord is trying to tell us, said nobody in the Bible ever. Nobody in the Bible ever said any such thing, and yet that is the standard lingo that we hear in the evangelical world today. I mean, you can hardly, and as you rightly said, it's not just the Bill Johnsons and and the, the Benny Hens and the Joyce Myers. It's, it's rampant in the Southern Baptist Convention. I feel like the Lord said to me, if you have to wonder whether or not God spoke to you, he didn't. If you have to wonder whether or not God spoke to you, he didn't. God doesn't stutter, okay? He, God is not, he's not expending a great deal of anthropomorphic energy just trying to communicate us and to us. And No, when God spoke, crystal clear clarity. So, we it's we have created kind of like the uh, 
fallible prophecies. We have created out of cloth this entirely new way of God speak, trying to speak to people that is just not supported in Scripture, Old or New Testament. Now, um, some people will push back against me and they'll say, well, what, are, are you saying that God does not lead us? The Holy Spirit does not lead us? No, I'm not saying that at all. Yes, God does lead us. The Holy Spirit, look, I'm a cessationist, but I am, I fully believe in the complete power of the indwelling third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. So how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Number one, after he saves us, he regenerates us. He gives us a desire to read and study God's word. He helps us to understand God's word. That is the work of illumination, by the way, not revelation. Okay, revelation is God revealing something new that has not yet been revealed. And so when you hear people say, well, I got revelation on this. Well, no, you didn't. What may have happened is you got illumination. That is when the Holy Spirit helps us to understand what is already written in God's word. All of us can give testimony uh, as Christians reading a verse of scripture, maybe we've read it a hundred times before, but then, then all of a sudden the light comes on, right? It's like, oh, that's what that means. Now I get it. That's illumination. So that should be happening. So uh, as the Holy Spirit illumines the meaning of God's word to us, helps us to understand it, empowers us to obey it. And as Paul says to the Colossians, the word of Christ dwells richly within you then the more our thinking, our reasoning, our decision-making will be more naturally in line, in line with what God wants for us anyway. Um, can God give us a burden for something? Can God you know, lay someone on our hearts? We hear that lingo. Well, yes, he certainly can, but we don't have a mechanism to know when it may or may not be God doing that. Um, for example, a childhood friend of mine that I grew up with in Mississippi, Chad Stewart. Um, Chad and I grew up together. I, I live in Montana now. He's in Mississippi. We're a couple of thousand miles away from each other. Hardly ever see Chad. But, you know, from time to time, I'll think about Chad. Uh, Chad will pop into my head, and, and maybe I'll pray for Chad. Is that God bringing Chad to my remembrance so I could pray for him? I don't know. Maybe I just thought about Chad. You know, I, I have no way of knowing. I don't have the, the spiritual equivalent of the, of the bat phone inside my head that starts flashing red when it's God doing. Chad, it's like, oh, Chad, yeah. Chad. Yeah, right. Yeah, so maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Um, now, when I hear people say, well, well God, uh, God laid it on my heart to witness to someone, or, you know, are you saying God doesn't give you a burden to witness to someone, or... Uh, lead you to witness to someone? Of course. Of course God leads me to witness to people all the time. You know how he does that? Through the Great Commission. I don't need to hear God say, Justin, I want you to go over there and witness to that fella in the blue shirt sitting on the park bench. I don't need God to tell me to do that. I have a Great Commission that tells me to do that. So, it's just um, it's just living out the Christian life, reading, studying, obeying God's word, seeking godly counsel. Um, Proverbs tells us to do that, wisdom in a multitude of counselors, and then making a wise decision and, and doing something. It's interesting when you read 
the, through the book of Acts in the New Testament, you read the apostles, you never see any of the apostles saying, Lord, show me your individual specific will for my life. They just did stuff. They just did stuff. Paul spent the winter at Nicopolis because he thought it best. Why did Paul spend the winter at Nicopolis? Because he thought it was the best good idea to spend the winter at Nicopolis, and so he did it. You know, they just did stuff. Uh, on occasion, you see the Spirit redirecting them uh, through various means, but um, it, it, we've introduced this whole level of mysticism into the Christian life that that isn't biblical, and quite frankly, it's just not necessary. Brother, you're so spot on. As you're talking, I am just encouraged and, quote, burdened, not from the Lord, just from what you're saying. Um, I want to encourage our audience right now, because I want to. (laughs) Number one, some of you, your mind's blown right now, and you're thinking, wow, I've never thought about this. Praise God. The Lord is opening your eyes and your mind. And my prayer, and Justin's prayer, before we even recorded this, was that, that the Lord would do that. So according to His sovereign will, our prayers that he would do it, and he's known before the foundation of the earth, whether he would do that or not today. Our prayer could be a means to his will being done today, so we pray for that for you. But some of you, it's going to mean a language change. In other words, you're hearing Justin talk, and you're realizing how often you say, oh yeah, the Lord told me, or I feel like God said, and you realize, no, I feel with my emotions, I hear with my ears, I think with my brain. It's just time to start saying what you're actually experiencing. You know, I saw that man over there on the park bench, and I was struck with this conviction and compulsion to share the gospel because I was reading in Matthew 28, just say what it is from the Bible, then go do what the Bible says to do, and let's remove all this confusing language. You want to go pray for someone? Just go pray for them. You want to ask God to heal your, your baby or your neighbor or someone in your church? Why don't you just pray and ask God to heal them? You don't need to say, God spoke to me to pray for your healing. No, he didn't. Well, you could say he did in the Bible, but overall... Just go do the Christian life. Go be obedient. Go share. God doesn't have to tell you, you know, and you got to say all of a sudden, I feel like God really wants me to love you better, sweetheart. You know, that's what he's been telling me lately. Well, where? Well, I I just been feeling it. No, unless you've been in Ephesians 5, where God already told you that, you're just sensing a conviction from the Holy Spirit because you're a believer and it's time to walk in obedience based on what you've read. So number one, if your mind's being blown, praise God then it's time to study more. Number two, if you already knew some of this, it's just time for a language change. Praise God. Let's stop confusing people. Mm -hmm. And if you're a church leader and you've been using this sort of verbiage and it would be a huge change for your ministry, just be honest with people and say, I want to be less confusing. I'm just going to live out what the Lord has already called me to in Scripture. Justin, would you recommend any resources on this particular topic, as we basically have proven the case, you have, that in order to hear from God today, we need to go to His Word. What's sort of the next step? Maybe, of course, reading the Bible, and then are there any books where some teachers have helped people learn more about this? Yes, Kosti, and uh, at the top of my list on this subject matter that we're dealing with is a book by Jim Osman, O-S-M-A-N, Jim Osmond, entitled God Doesn't Whisper. So good. God Doesn't Whisper. It is outstanding. Jim takes all of these notions like the still small voice and hunches and impressions and, you know, fallible uh, prophecy, all, all of this stuff. And he, he deals with it biblically in a very thorough way. And 
uh, leaves no stone unturned. So God doesn't whisper by Jim Osmond. And, and if I can say just from a, a practical kind of a pastoral standpoint, it, one of the things that burdens me so about this is so many people, Costi, have been made to unnecessarily doubt their walk with the Lord mm. because they're not hearing God speak to them like all these other people say that God is speaking to them. Wow. You know, God spoke to me and told me such and such. God told me this. God told me that. And so many people are saying this. And it makes you wonder, well, what's wrong with me? You know, I don't hear God talk to me like that. Are these people more spiritual than I am? Do they have a closer walk with God than I do? Is there something wrong with me? Am, am I not even saved? And so this this whole genre here has unnecessarily made people to doubt their walk with Christ uh, because they think they're supposed to be hearing God speak in some still small voice, which isn't even biblical in the first place. So um, there is such a, a, a comfort and a rest to be had when, when we understand the sufficiency of God's word It is everything that we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so I hope this has been helpful for folks. Oh, tremendous. Amen to everything you've said, brother. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want another resource, I want to recommend to you Justin's DVD. It's called Clouds Without Water 2. Basically, what he's done is put hours and hours, really years of study, into a DVD. And it is so clear and so succinct and so helpful. He takes clips of people who are teaching things that lead people astray and then brings in the truth. And he covers, does God really speak today? And he covers prophecy, and he covers healing and miracles, and the Word of Faith movement, sort of the idea of name it and claim it. You know, everyone from Joyce Meyer to Jesse Duplantis to Creflo Dollar, my Uncle Benny, Joel Osteen, Bill Johnson, on and on and on and on, Kenneth Copeland, he lays it out for you and says, here's what they teach right from their own teaching, and then teaches people the truth from God's Word. So uh, go to justinpeters.org, that's his website, and you can find links to that on the team page at forthegospel.org. Justin's profile has links to his resources. I would buy that DVD. I'd watch it. I'd get some copies for your church and your small group. I endorsed it wholeheartedly, and the Lord has used Justin in my life throughout many different moments and over the years uh, with both his friendship and his preaching ministry. So, I commend that to you. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show again and for helping us. Costa, you're so welcome, brother. Thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you all again for being with us today on the For the Gospel podcast. For free resources and videos, go to forthegospel.org or subscribe on our YouTube channel. And again, Justin has a YouTube channel as well with great teaching there. Connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And we're back every Monday with another episode. Until then, keep on living for the gospel.